Hi there, I'm Shelly, a military wife and a mother of two. And my friends Cindy and Paula are not able to join in this episode, but I am joined with my two little ones. And we're so glad you listeners are coming along with us each week on this journey of discovering what really matters in life from a biblical and practical perspective. This coming Sunday is Easter Sunday, or as our family likes to call it, Resurrection Sunday, because it's really a time of remembering what Jesus Christ did for us the few days before he went to the cross and before his resurrection. Thank you, little ones, for coming along and joining me today. How are you both doing? Good. Good. (laughs) I'm glad you're here. Are you ready to tell the story of Easter? Yes. All right, let's do it. To understand the story about the resurrection of Jesus, we actually have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in the very first book, Genesis, and the very first verse, Genesis 1-1. Can you read that for me? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1-1. Oh, well done. So that verse tells us, That who created the world? God. Yeah, God did. What are some things that God created? The sun, moon, and stars. Light and darkness. Cats, flowers, and worms. Horses and dogs. God also made a man and a woman and named them Adam and Eve. That's right. He sure did. And what does the Bible say about all of God's creation? Can you read Genesis one thirty one for us? Okay. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Yes, it was very good. He looked at all his creation. It was perfect. But if we keep reading through Genesis, in chapter 3, it talks about something that happened that changed the whole course of the world. Sin came into the world. Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was in the Garden of Eden. In the New Testament, in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The world is no longer a perfect place now because of sin that has come into the world. Everybody that is born now after Adam and Eve is born into sin. What does Romans 3.23 tell us? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's right. It says, for all have sinned. Have I sinned? Yes. Yes. Have you sinned? Yes. Mm-hmm. Have you sinned too? Yes. Yes, but what is sin? Can you think of sin? What is that? Stealing and cheating. Mm-hmm. Hurting and fighting. Lying. Not being thankful. All of these sins and many more that we didn't name, these break fellowship with God who is holy. And so we cannot go to heaven. We cannot go to God's holy place because we have sin in our lives. We need someone to help us. We need a Savior. And that only person who can help us is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is perfect. 
and he has to become our substitute for us. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verses 27 and 28 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus Christ alone is the one who can take away our sin. What is it that can take away our sin? Is it good works? Is it going to church? Is it being baptized or, I know, even giving your money to church? Are those things that can take away our sins? No. No, they're not, right? God tells us what can take away our sin. In Hebrews 9, verse 22, it says, Without shedding of blood is no remission or no forgiveness. There's a song that we sing in church. It goes like this. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flood that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, and I'm so thankful that Jesus was willing to be our substitute. He was willing to die in our place. If we turn the pages of our Bible to the New Testament, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of how Jesus left heaven and came to this earth. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 and following, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Mm -hmm. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Isn't that wonderful that God was willing to send his only son, Jesus, to come to this sinful earth. He was the only perfect substitute for our sins. Let's say John 3.16 together that tells this part of our story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has given us a wonderful promise that whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish, will not be separated all eternity from God, but will have everlasting life in heaven. In the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can read about the many miracles that Jesus did while he was on this earth. He would heal people who were blind or who had diseases and he would preach about the kingdom of heaven. He told people, have faith in God, like it tells us in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. 
Those four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are also known as the Gospels, or the Good News of Jesus. And the last one-third parts of those books of the Bible tell about the last week of Jesus. So that's a lot of chapters that tell us about that very important part in Jesus' ministry on earth. Many people did believe on Jesus. They did believe the words that he told them about heaven and putting their faith in God. But there were many people who hated Jesus, and they wanted to see his ministry on earth come to an end. Little did those people know that the greatest victory of all time was about to take place. The last few days that Jesus was on this earth were some of his hardest and most passionate days because he knew that soon he would have to be separated from his disciples or his followers. And most importantly, he would be separated from God the Father when he took on himself the sins of the whole world. There's a prophecy or a prediction in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53 and verse 3 and following that says, He, referring to Jesus, is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity or the sin of us all. The people who hated Jesus who was perfect and sinless, hung Jesus on a cross in the same shameful way that they would hang or punish a thief or a murderer. In Psalm 22, there are more predictions or more prophecies about the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins. In verse 13, it says, They gaped upon me with their mouths, as a ravening and a roaring lion. And then it says in verse 18, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And in verse 1, it says where Jesus is saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was feeling the agony and the suffering of having our sins upon him. He was separated from a holy God because God could not look at our sin. When Jesus was on the cross, his blood was shed for our sins. Remember the verse we read earlier that said, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins or no forgiveness of sins. In Psalm 22 and verse 6, we read, But I am a worm and no man a reproach of men, and despised of the people. What do you think Jesus was meaning when he said, I am a worm? It's very interesting that one of the creatures God created was a worm. And this is a very special kind of a worm. It's called a crimson worm or a scarlet worm. 
I looked up what kind of worm this is in the Strong's Concordance. So my Strong's Concordance is one of my friends from my shelf. And there are several references to worm in the Bible. But in this verse, in Psalm 22, 6, it's referring to the scarlet worm. It's not referring to other kinds of worms like a maggot. But this worm has a very interesting life cycle. The crimson worm, or the tawala, as it's referred to in Hebrew, is a great example in nature of what Jesus did when he went to the cross and died for our sins. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, sure. Well, the crimson worm, the mother worm, has babies only one time in her life. And when it's time for her to have those babies, she'll go and find a piece of wood, the trunk of a tree, or sometimes even a fence post. And she'll attach her body to that wood and will create a hard crimson shell. When she attaches herself to that piece of wood, she's stuck there so completely that if somebody tries to go and pull her off of that wood, it will tear her body, actually killing her. Under her protective shell is where she will lay her babies, and they stay there until it's time to hatch. The mommy will give herself to protect her babies, but she also gives her babies nourishment as they feed off of her. Then finally, after a few days, the worms are old enough and they can take care of themselves. But at that time, the mother dies. And as that mommy crimson worm dies, there's a scarlet red dye or a paint or a color that comes out from her body. And it stains whatever she has attached her body to, the wood or fence that becomes red. But interestingly, her babies also are stained with that red color for the rest of their lives. A really cool fact about this crimson worm is that after three days, the dead body of the crimson worm loses its color and it turns into a white waxy substance and it falls to the ground. So what do you think Jesus meant when he said, I am a worm. Well, the term worm in that verse, Psalm 22, 6, is not referring actually to the body or not referring to the insect of that worm, but it's referring to the color. It's referring to the dye of the worm. This crimson worm can only be found in the Middle East. It's most concentrated in old Israel. I really love how God is intentional with his creation. He has a purpose and a plan for everything that he has made. There are biblical scholars who have studied some of the antiquities or some of the old things about the Bible. And they say that the dye of this crimson worm was used in the tabernacle to color some of the curtains or some of the special pieces of fabric that was used in the tabernacle. And if you remember the story about Rahab, who helped the Israeli spies when they came into her city of Jericho, that 
she was told if you let down a scarlet rope, that crimson thread, if you let it down from your window, then when the Israelites come to do battle with your city, they will not harm anybody who is in that room or in that house where the scarlet thread is. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter 1, and it's verse 18, that reads, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This verse is a perfect example of what Jesus' death, what his shed blood on the cross, can do for us, that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, it's his blood that can wash away our sins. It's his blood that can make us clean. I'm so thankful for the saving power of Jesus' blood that can cleanse us from all our sin. Tomorrow is April 3rd, and it was several years ago on that date when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So it's kind of a special time. It's my spiritual birthday. But God actually used this verse, Isaiah 118, to convict me of my sin and to show me that I needed a Savior. I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross for not only my sins, but for every single person who puts their faith and trust in Him. But you know, it would be really sad if our story ended here with Jesus' death on the cross. A wonderful part of our story continues. When Jesus' crucified body was taken down from the cross, His friends prepared His body for burial. Matthew 12 verse 40 tells us, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so, figuring the Jewish calendar and the Sabbaths that were taking place at that time when Jesus would have been crucified, Jesus probably was crucified on Wednesday which could account for the three days and three nights that Jesus would have been in the grave. In Luke 24, and the very first verse, can one of you read this for me? Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Can you read verse 2? And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. What do you think had happened? Jesus had risen from the grave? Yes, he sure had. Jesus was alive. His body was no longer in that tomb. Jesus is alive. (laughs) He sure is. We serve a living Savior. Back in the beginning of creation, our enemy Satan thought he had defeated God and mankind by bringing sin into the world. However, Genesis 3 and verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, which is referring to Jesus. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We have a conqueror. And that conqueror is Jesus Christ. He has defeated death. He has defeated the enemy. 
when Jesus rose from the grave, it was the first time in history, really, that someone had risen from the dead, never to die again. In the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. I get excited when I think of Jesus' resurrection, that the grave could not hold him, and he has defeated the enemy. We can have that same victorious power in our life over our enemy when we ask Jesus to help us. So, listeners, as you go into your Easter weekend, may you celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We do serve a risen Savior. Perhaps you're listening today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You don't know what it means to have that power in your life and to have victory over sin. Today, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. He is worthy to be praised. He alone can save you. It's His crimson blood that can wash and clean our hearts as white as snow. He can take the old things and make them new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. And we pray that you all will have a wonderful resurrection weekend. Thanks so much for being with me today, little ones. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, maybe other future episodes will have you on again. Listeners, in the show notes, I will put links to where you can reference back to things that were mentioned in our podcast episode today. There are some websites of churches where pastors are preaching messages that will make things a little bit more clear as far as the timeline of the Passion Week, which was the last week when Jesus was here on this earth before he went up to heaven. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we can read the last words that Jesus told his disciples before he went back to heaven. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Those are wonderful reminders that we need to go and tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and he rose again. That is the gospel. That is the good news to tell other people. One of the wisest men who ever lived was King Solomon. In his book of Ecclesiastes found in the Bible, Solomon talks about sorrows and the futility of a life without God. And in his concluding verses in the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Until next time, look to the Lord, because it does matter. Adios. Bye. See you next time. Have a blessed resurrection weekend.